Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sunday, visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. Okay. All right. We're going to put my notes. Okay. Good. I hope I'm not going to bust this up. It looks a bit fragile. It is. Yeah. So am I. So there we go. It's great to be with you. I'm going to continue on from where I was a year ago. <laughs> so most of you perhaps don't remember me from last year. Uh, you weren't even here last year. But Matt asked me if I would really do a whole morning, which we did a couple of sessions, one on uh, the personal work of the Holy Spirit, and then we did a workshop in the afternoon. Anybody remember? Anybody here? And you remember I called Annie out to prophesy, um, which she'd never done before, um, because God wants to equip us. Um, I would have loved to have done this session that I'm going to do this morning um, with you, so I've saved it uh, for a year. Um, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to turn to Acts chapter 1. Um, Jesus spent 40, 40 days, we're told, with the disciples after his um, resurrection and he instructed them of things concerning the kingdom of God but actually we don't know <laughs> very much the contents of that um, but we do know two things which um, lock in together and are very significant to us of all the to all to them before he ascended to the father all authority has been given to me therefore okay the therefore is important. Very often we, we don't talk about all authority. We talk about, you know, Jesus said, go into all the nations and make disciples. But actually, if you don't get hold of what was said before, then we're missing something that's so important. All authority has been given to me. Today, Jesus has all authority. He is sovereign. Is that good news? No, you can be Americans. And you can shout and say, you know, you're, 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 you're quite um, different to some of the Americans that I'm used to there. Much more, you're more British, sort of. You're thinkers. Um, but um, all authority's been given to me. Therefore, because of that, then go into all the nations and make disciples, teaching them to do and observe that all I've taught you. In other words, what I put in you, go and put in others. It's the kingdom. So that means we have a vocation. That's so, so important. We didn't get our sins forgiven so we could go to heaven. We had our sins forgiven so can we, we can be part of this process of bringing the kingdom. Okay, so that's so important. We have a glorious vocation. But in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, there, Luke tells us that as Jesus gathered them um, on one of these last occasions, this is what he said to them. I'm, I'll just read here. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, so he had a real body that took food and drink, okay? Okay, so he was physical, and yet a, a, a different body. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized in water, but in a few days you will be baptized, filled, immersed, whichever phrase you want to use, with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they said to him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. And that word there is the word dunamis in the Greek, and it's where we get our word dynamite from. So even when it says of one church in Revelation, it only had a little power, <laughs> the word was duminous. If I only had one little stick of dynamite in my hand now and I lit it, if you got any sense, you wouldn't be here. Just one little stick of dynamite. That means one Christian filled with the Holy Spirit. There is dynamite. All right? That's what I want to persuade you of um, this morning. And then... Hopefully, God's going to impart something of a gift to us. 
Okay, it's not for you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, your home base in Judea, further afield in Samaria, that was their enemies, and even to the ends of the earth. I just want you to use your imaginations just for, just for being discipling. And uh, they've been with him for 40 days now. And um, the reason why Luke probably tells us that uh, he was eating, because there were some people saying, well, he wasn't real, he was only a ghost. And both John and, and Luke and others want to convince us, no, 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 this is a physical resurrection. He is alive and well, and now he's commissioning these people. So he's saying to them, they say, you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He said, I'm going to blow your minds away now because that's too small a thing. No, no, guys, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. Can you just imagine, that was pretty daunting, wasn't it? Because these were just ordinary guys. They'd been with Jesus, but they were ordinary guys. They didn't feel dynamic. They didn't feel special. They just knew they'd been with Jesus. And now he's, now he's opening the whole thing up. You're going to go to the very ends of the earth. I can imagine Peter saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, just a minute. Suppose, folks, you are it. Have a look around. Not very impressive <laughs> in the flesh, but filled with the Holy Spirit. Very effective. And I think sometimes when, when we're faced with the challenge of reaching people with the gospel, it can be pretty daunting, yeah? It can be scary for some people. We People sometimes say to me, it's all right for you or you're an extrovert. I say, well, hold on, I drive introverts mad. So if you're an introvert, then there's introverts out there that you need to reach. And so it's pretty scary. So we, we, we so focus often on what we've got to do for God, don't we? And once we do that, we can become a little depressed because we think, hey, I'm not sure I'm up to that. What I want to teach you this morning, I just want to share with you four things that God has done for us, which equips us and, and, and um, empowers us to actually do the works that he's prepared for each one of us. Okay, That's where we're going to go. So I'm not going to tell you what you've got to do. I'm going to tell you what he has done. I'm going to illustrate it from stories from my own life. Um, I'll tell you the best ones. Um, but there's been many failures um, as well. Okay? Um, so... The first thing we need to understand is this, that we, we have been called of God when we were born again to bear fruit, good fruit, fruit that's going to remain. And that fruit is not the fruit of the Spirit in terms of joy, peace, patience, kindness. This is, this is the fruit of making disciples, of reproducing ourselves in others. You remember Jesus gathered the disciples, uh, John chapter 15, there's... Those, those chapters in 15 are called um, by theologians the paraclete passages because it's another Greek word that's used for power, but this time it's used in a different sense. It's used in terms of one who comes alongside, who strengthens, helps with fire, someone who provokes. Okay? So it's more powerful than the, the, the old translation of helper. Are you with me on this? So, it's, it, so one who comes alongside... To, to help us and provoke us and get us into the things that God um, wants for us. So Jesus said this, um, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. You're my buddies. And everything that the Father has revealed to me, I have shared that with you. Wow, it must have been amazing three years. I've shared that with you. And, uh, and you, 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 you're going to go and you're going to bear fruit. In other words, you're going to reproduce of your own kind. You're, all the life that I've put in you, you're going to reproduce it in others, and that's going to be good fruit, and it's, it's going to be fruit that's going to remain. In other words, you know, it's, 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 there's, a, it's, there's an eternity to that fruit. Is that good news? I think that's wonderful news. I've, I've been called, chosen in Christ, to bear fruit, good fruit that's going to remain. Um, professionally, I was a, I was a lawyer, and when I was about 29, 30 years of age, I was managing um, a solicitor's office or a lawyer's office um, in a suburb um, of London. And uh, one of my colleagues 
had gone, has gone through a marriage. He wasn't a Christian guy, so it wasn't a church marriage or anything like that. And he was having a lunchtime with just a few selected friends for a few drinks and something to eat in a pub where we lived and, uh, or where we worked. And I went along and it was there that I met Gay. Uh, Gay was about 35 years of age. She was a legal secretary. I'd never met her before. And, but we were opposite one another, so we began to get into conversation. And uh, she shared with me that she was looking for a new job. Uh, we needed a new litigation secretary, and she came for an interview, and she got the job. And one of the things I learned about Gay over the next couple of years was this, that she was very anti-Christian, didn't like Christians, and I was the objects of uh, her anger many, many times. We used to lunch out on Fridays, a whole bunch of us from the office, and she was always giving me a bad time. And this went on for a couple of years, and once or twice I wondered why the dickens I ever employed her in the first place. Fortunately, she wasn't one of my secretaries. Um, but then one day, Gay came to my office, this is about two years after working for us, and she said, I'd really like to have a lunch with you, just the two of us. I, I, I want to ask you some questions. And for the first time, she asked me some serious questions questions about God. And then lunch ended, and she never told me why she was asking the questions. Uh, and we, I went back to the office, etc. And about three o'clock in the afternoon, there was a knock on my door, and it was gay, and she said, can you give me half an hour? So I said, fine. So I told my other secretaries, keep me clear for half an hour. And she just sat in front of me, and she said, you know I don't believe in God. I said, you've made that very clear over the years, gay, yes? She said, well, I met him last night. Hmm. What were you doing? I was ironing, she said. I was ironing. My husband, you know, my husband and I are separated. He's not paid the mortgage now, and I'm, I'm, I'm out of house and home. I've got two kids. I've got nowhere to live. And she said, I am there, and I'm hating him. I've got the iron, and if he turned out, I would have put it through his head. She said, all of a sudden, something came over me. I began to weep. I began to pray for him. I began to forgive him. She said, Ray, what is going on? She said, I, I've met God. What do I do? I said, well, um, it's Friday afternoon. What are you doing this weekend? She said, well, the kids are with my, with my mum. I said, well, come home with, with me and Sue and I. Come with, to us for the weekend. And, um, you know, we, we, is, um, we're going to be at church Sunday evening. There's a great preacher in church Sunday evening. I said, what? And, um, <laughs> and Gay came. And, of course, she gave her heart to the Lord and, what have you. And then she and her two kids moved in with us. Uh, and uh, Gay, I spoke at her funeral two years ago and told the story a bit longer than that that I'm telling you now. Hey, that's my fruit for my wife and I. My wife was usually like, it's mine as well. <laughs> that's our fruit. And, and, it, and it remains. And it's to our account. And it's all by his grace. But he just loves this stuff. And he knew those disciples were going to... There's, there's a sequel to this because she was determined she'd never marry again. She'd had enough of men. And, um, and, and George, George was a very good goalkeeper. I was captain of a, a soccer team and I needed a very good goalkeeper and I played against this guy in the final of a competition, uh, which we won, but it was hard work getting anything past this guy. So I visited him. Sometimes... Sometimes when you're led of the Spirit, and we, that's where we live, we should always be led of the Spirit, we're going to find circumstances that we didn't anticipate. And when I got to George's house, I didn't know him, by the way, how to find where he lived, uh, it, it just attempted suicide. And I don't need to tell you why, but he was very depressed. We took him home, and uh, um, he was proud, and he wouldn't live with us unless he could pay his way. We, had a, we didn't have a garden. I was going to say we had a terrible garden. We didn't have one. We were in a new house. It was just like a bomb site. So George said he would dig, and uh, he dug it well. He, obviously, he was gifted, so my wife put an advert in the local newspaper, have, have shovel, we'll dig. Like, have gun, we'll travel. That was, the, uh, that was the television thing at the time. And George started. He never came to the church. He didn't want to do that. We never forced him to, and he lived with us. And then one day he came to a meeting on a Tuesday night. I remember it well, because it's the first time anybody spoke in tongues out loud and somebody interpreted and while some people were arguing George got wonderfully saved and healed and then met, uh, met Gay and they married and they were happily ever after well it wasn't quite like that but it was pretty good hey, that is fruit that is the way that God wants us to live and be sensitive to his promptings okay, so there's fruit prepared for you 
All you've got to do is live, be attentive to the promptings of God, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later, and then just, and just, then just be yourself, be normal. And uh, share, don't have to be religious, you don't need um, religious jargon, you just be yourself and just share what you know. So is that good news? That's good news. That must be good news for those disciples. Hey, guys, don't worry. You just go. I've prepared stuff for you. So Philip went to Samaria. They were his enemies. You don't go into enemy territory too often. But there was a whole revival prepared for him there. He just had to go and be who he was. Secondly, secondly, God has even prepared situations for us. If you turn to the book of Ephesians, don't worry if you haven't got it, I'll read it to you. But um, in chapter 2, we, we know these verses well, these wonderful verses about, about our, him choosing us, our election in Christ. Uh, chapter 2, let's find it here. I'm conscious of the fact that time is never on a preacher's side, um, especially this one. Um, but we know it well. It is by grace you have been saved. Verse, uh, was it verse 7, verse 6, something like that. It's by grace you've been saved, verse 5. Um, where are we? And, and, yeah. Verse 8, is it verse 8? Where am I? Yeah, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. In other words, you were so dead you couldn't have faith to believe. He had to just show sheer mercy and grace to get us there. So our repentance didn't get us saved. We repented because we got saved. When you fall in love with someone, you usually say sorry for what you offended, how you offended them previously. Okay, it's so important. Otherwise, otherwise even repentance becomes a works, and we're not saved by works. We're saved for works, though, because that's what it says. Through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. We can't boast about it. We can only boast in Jesus. But this is the verse I love. For we are God's workmanship. And again, the, the Greek word is difficult to translate because it speaks of a masterpiece. I'm looking here on a, on a masterpiece this morning. You are masterpieces for, of Jesus' work. Hey. So am I, by the way. I, I often say to people, don't be fooled by this body. I'm still a masterpiece. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What for? To do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. What are good works? What Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Come on, shout it out. What did Jesus do? Tell me. Tell me some of the things he did. He healed the sick. What else? He raised the dead. Go on. He cast out demons. Go on. He showed old ladies across the road. He spoke kind words to people. He comforted them. He got people to come out of a tree and have tea with them. He did loads of things. It wasn't just miracles. He, he gave of his very being to people. Love, mercy, grace, friendship he gave. Even to people who didn't follow him. The rich young ruler, he loved him to bits and was sad when he, he couldn't follow him. So we, so we are to do the works that Jesus has done. But he's prepared situations, situations for us. When I was 65, which was a decade ago now, 10 years ago, I discovered that somebody had started putting some money in my bank account. So the week of my 65th birthday, on the Monday there was £30,000 put in my account. $45,000, well it used to be, and even a bit more. And then I said to my wife, somebody's put 30000 in our, our bank account. She said, I said, do you know anything about it? She said, no. I said, um, she said, I'll get in touch with the bank. I said, you do nothing of the kind. Just <laughs> you do nothing. Anyway, by the end of the week, I got £90,000. Wow, yes. Because as a young lawyer, when I started out, I was doing a lot of house purchase. I was doing a lot of arranging of mortgages with some very good, uh, mainly Scottish companies. And I'd taken out some endowment policies. I'd forgotten all about them. And there we are, 40-odd years later, they've matured and we've got uh, a sum of money which we 
didn't even know was available to us. Now, before you ask for a loan, let me tell you, I've got four daughters. They're all grown up with grandkids. It's gone, long gone. <laughs> but before they got their hands on it, I said to Sue, we're going to go and have a Caribbean holiday because the Brits, we love sun, and we went to an all-inclusive in Jamaica. Fantastic, lots of sport and, and its own golf course, etc., etc., etc. And one evening, we are in a, a very romantic setting, very low lights, in an oriental restaurant, and we're just talking about the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. And we're just saying, well, you know, despite the fact that, you know, one gave up a, a profession to become a, a church leader, hey, we've never gone without anything. God's just been good. He's just, he's just supplied it from other resources. And uh, we, 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 we were just in that vein, and, and that was it. The next morning, a young fellow comes over to our table, who's a waiter, and he said, I've, I've asked to be your waiter. My name's Ian. And we said, um, why, why do you want to be our waiter? He said, well, were you talking last night about the Bible? I said, well, actually, we were talking about the kingdom of God. Are you a Christian? He said, no, but that's why I'm here. I want to be a Christian. Can you help me? And over the next two days, we led Ian to the Lord. And, uh, um, and he's gone on. And uh, he sent us a photograph of his baptism. He's, he's, he, sadly, he was going through a divorce at the time when he came come to Christ. But hey, that was... That was a situation prepared for we didn't need to go looking for that. God prepares situations for you. You've just got to walk faithfully. You've just got to keep yourself in the right place with God. And these situations will open up and there will be, there will be, there will be fruit for you. How much time have I got? My goodness. Um, let me tell you this one. It's an American story. Now, I was in, um, I was in New Jersey. New Jersey, is that how you pronounce it? It's something like that. My daughter was there working as a nanny for a family. And um, lovely, lo lovely family. I was in Mexico, so on the way back, I had a week with her. And I turn up at this, um, I turn up at this house. And um, Agassiz is playing in the final of the American um, um, tennis open. I can't remember who he's playing now. But they were watching it on their... Their, their stoop, what do you call it? Their, their deck. I mean, we can't do things like that in England. <laughs> um, so they're watching this, and I turn up, and uh, um, they, they, they greet me, this couple that she's working for, and they say, you've been in Mexico, you've been on business, you've been pleasure. I said, no, basically on business. What do you do? I said, well, my daughter not told you. No, not particularly. I said, well, I'm a church leader. I, I, I um, train... Uh, mainly I'm doing a lot of training these days and network of churches. And this is what the guy said. He said, Jesus Christ. I said, no, not quite, but probably the nearest you're going to get to it for a while. So, uh, so we, got, we, we, just, we just chatted that way and I fell in love with this family. Um, and, but on the last day or so, they said, would you like to play some golf? You're flying out tonight. We've got time. We've booked early. So I said, fine. Now, what you've got to understand in England... People are different. In, in America, you play golf. You're very friendly on the golf course. You talk far too much, um, which is not good for the game. But in England, if you were talking a couple of fairways away, they'll come over and tell you you're talking. No, no, seriously. Listen, seriously. It's, uh, but I like the American way. I like the way you, you know, shout and cheer and you know, applaud one another and what have you. So, so when people are on their own... In America, you invite them to join you. We don't do that in England. We, we, they, they have no rights on the course. And this is real. So, but, so they invite this guy, and I'm thinking, hey, you know, we, we're already playing a match, etc. So he comes in towards about the 12th, so he's, we've got an hour or more with him. His name is Paul. And we introduce ourselves, and Paul says to me, he said, what are you doing here? And I, I sort of told him, I said, you know, I'm coming from Mexico, I've been with my daughter, he said, what do you do for a living? I said, I, I'm, a, I'm a church leader. i um, been leading a church, but more involved with training and that sort of thing these days. He said, well, you might be able to help me, he said. Um, he said, my wife is involved with a, some fire people. I said, do you mean charismatics? He said, yes. He said, he said, they're, he said Catholic charismatics. We're Catholics. We go about twice a year, but she's got a bit fanatical about this stuff. And she took me to Billy Graham the other night. And he kept talking about being born again. And he said, I went to my priest, and he, had, he doesn't know what it means. And he said, um, do you know what being born again means? I said, yeah. So we talked. And uh, um, I just shared with him. 
And then, just as we were getting to um, part company, I, I said to him, I want to recommend a book for you. A guy called Larry Toms wrote a book, book called Clap Your Hands, particularly for Catholics to really come through further into faith. And I want to give you my personal tract, which is my story about myself. It's what I give to people. If you want to get in touch with me, you can. So what I'd like to do, I, actually, I'd like to get you Larry Tomsek's book. Is that okay? I'm not, I'm not pushy. You see, when, you, when, when, you, when, when, when God's in this stuff, you don't have to be pushy. You know, the pressure is not on you, it's on them. And that's the Holy Spirit's pressure. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll send you Larry Tomsek's book. Could I get it in England? I couldn't. So I wrote to a friend in El Paso, which I'd been doing a conference on discipleship with them, and uh, they sent it to... He wrote back and said, yeah, I've sent him the book, so Paul's got the book. Never heard anything until about six months when I got a Christmas card from a lady who said, you don't know me, but you met my husband playing golf. Um, the day before you're due to... or the day you're due to fly out, what you were doing on the golf course then, I don't know. She said, but let me just tell you the story. I've been putting a lot of pressure on my friend, on my, on my husband. I take him to Billy Graham, and some of my friends said to me, lay off, you're putting him off. So they said, let's get together one morning and pray. And the morning we got together to pray for my husband, he, he was fed up, and he said, oh, I'm not going to work, I'm going to go and play golf. She said, I want to tell you, he's come right through to the Lord now. She said, and by the way, all those tapes on discipleship your friend sent, they're doing the rounds of our Catholic prayer cells in the city. You never know what God is going to do. More than you can ask or imagine, he will do. You offer the little and he gets hold of it and he multiplies it. That's our God. So those disciples may have been a little daunted. May have been, this is scary. But when we realise what he has done for us, and that takes all the pressure of us and the Holy Spirit puts the pressure on others. Thirdly, we have already been equipped for these works. Those disciples were told, don't leave Jerusalem, wait, because the Holy Spirit's going to come and empower you. You're going to be baptised, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and that's something that is a necessity, it's part of the package of salvation and the church has separated things up uh, but we are equipped as we're filled with the Holy Spirit um, I learned very early on about uh, this because we're filled with the Holy Spirit why? why are we filled with the Holy Spirit? for one reason primarily to be credible witnesses and witnesses give first first time evidence of Jesus, right? So if someone goes into a witness box, um, they're, they're, they're going there to give first-hand testimony. And that's, that's why we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. Power will come on you, and then, not before, they weren't witnesses before, because they weren't in power. There was 10 days from the, the resurrection, or 50 days, to the ascension. They were still being equipped during that time, but then the Holy Spirit came and empowered what they were equipped already with. What they knew came alive in, in, a, in, in, in a powerful, powerful way. Um, let me just try and find a, um, an illustration um, of this. So many flipping stories here. This is the problem. Okay, here's, here's a story. This is, I was, I was teaching this stuff at a celebration years ago, probably, I don't know, about four or 500 people were there. And I was telling the story of how in England, if you're a builder, any builders here? Any builders? Yeah, right. What do you, I, I don't know what you do when you first go on to a new job, but in England, you have tea. All right, you always had, you always go in, you have tea. It's, it's just, and a bacon sarnie or a bacon sandwich, if you're lucky. Okay, so I'm telling this, I'm telling this story, trying to, trying to tell people how this thing works. And I said, I said you're a builder, and you, you're going on a job tomorrow, because it was Sunday evening. 
and you're, you're, you're having a cup of tea with the lady of the house and a bacon sandwich and she looks a bit glum and you say to her, are you okay, lady? And she says, well, actually, no. Um, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer. Well, you see, what happens to us is when someone shares something like that with you, something happens down here in us. You, you, yes? If it doesn't, you're not alive. Okay? Because Jesus was moved with compassion. Now, compassion starts down here. The, 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 um, the, the Jews uh, talked about as bowels of mercy. In other words, you're having a movement. Yeah, that's true. You know what a physical movement is, but you're having a spiritual movement. Down here in your spirit, something is happening. Okay, so if you go to the supermarket tomorrow and you're, you're buying some stuff and you're queuing up and you see somebody who's a neighbour, perhaps you know him a little bit, and they really look down and perhaps a bit weepy, and, 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 you, and you just say to them, hey, are you okay? I said, well, actually, my son's got leukemia. And I, 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 I'm just so scared. I'm just so scared. Something's going to happen down here because it's called bowels of mercy or Jesus moved with compassion. You think, and you know, you know there's only one answer to this, don't you? Who is he? His name is Jesus. Now, he doesn't always heal. Now, let's get this one right. I mean... Otherwise, we, we're in trouble. Because let's be real. We pray for the sick sometimes, they're not healed. But Jesus does a lot more things than heal. He comforts. He comes alongside. He shows mercy. He shows grace. I lost a son years ago. His presence was amazing, In it? We grieved greatly, but his presence. He comes. So, what is, what's your name? Catherine. Catherine. So, for Catherine... She is feeling this down here. You've got a lot less than I have. But nevertheless, it's there. So it's got to travel. I, my, it's got to travel up here. Now, I've got a bit of a bump to travel over. So it's got to get a bit further. But it's got to come up into here. And it's got to come out with words like, I'm so sorry. Would you like to have a cup of tea with me? I'm a Christian. I'd just love to share with you. Okay? That doesn't sound very theological, does it? But it's powerful. But the problem with us Western Christians is this, that we are intellectual. Now, it's important to get hold of this. What often happens is it comes, it travels up here, and we start sinking. Oh, my goodness. What if he don't turn up? What if I'm not up to this? Oh, my goodness, I'm so embarrassed. And there's other people in the queue that are looking at me now. And so by the time it gets into here... It's gone. <laughs> In other words, our intellect rules our spirit, not our spirit rules our intellect. That's a principle. We can trust. Oh God. So, so, so I'm sharing this with these, and there's a guy there, his name was Paul, he was a drummer. I didn't know this. And he's a, he's a builder. Anyway, two weeks later, he gets in touch with me. He says, you're never going to believe this. Remember that, remember that illustration you gave about build as well? I went on the job the next day, and it, the, the exact thing happened. So I said, well, what did you do? He said, well, we, we're in touch with them. Um, we, she's a single-parent family, um, and uh, you know, we're, 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 we're walking through with her the treatment. She's coming to our fellowship, and her kids are, are making friends. About 25 years later, I'm getting on a plane at Gatwick and I look across and I think, wow, is that Paul the Builder? I thought, no, he, he was a lot slimmer than that. <laughs> and he's looking at me and is that Ray the Preacher? And he's thinking, oh, he's put on weight, hasn't he? Since I, don't know. I said, you are Paul the Builder. He said, you are Ray the... It is Ray. And I said, yeah. I said, whatever happened to that family? He said, it was wonderful. He said, they grew up. Kids have grown up now. They've remained with us. They came through to the Lord. Yes, well, that's wonderful, isn't it? That's, that's, what God, that's what God wants to do. So, so we have to be sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit. Let me tell you something you may not know, that God speaks to you more than you know. God is wanting all the time. How many times do you feel you ought to phone someone and you don't? 
Is that like that? You're driving your car and you think, you're thinking about someone. Well, if you stop the car, I guess you've got to do that here, and you stop the car, we've got to do it in England, and you phone them, you'll, you'll find a response like this. Do you know what? This is, so, this is such a good time to phone me because, and then they share a need. I used to play football with a guy called Ron Sweetman. Um, played with him from the time I was 27. He still plays and he's 78 years of age because we have a thing called walking soccer now um, in, in England. It's even at international level, there's walking soccer. But Ron, Ron um, 25 years before this incident, he had, um, the charismatic hit us and he didn't really like the charismatic. I'm not sure Ron and his wife, Irene, were, were saved at that time. They were certainly churchgoers and they were nice folk. Um, but 25 years later, I'd not seen Ron for about that time, and I just sensed I ought to ring him. What I've learned is this. When, when that sort of prompting comes now, I obey it, all right? I obey it. And so I found out where he lived. I phoned him, and I said, Ron, it's Ray Lowe. Um, been a long time since we talked. He said, Ray, 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 you can't believe this. Irene is dying at this moment, my wife. He said, I haven't prayed, I haven't talked to God in donkey's years. I've, he said, I've just thrown my Gideon Bible across the room and said, God, if you were there, you'd send someone. Then you phoned. I went, I was with him and his wife. Uh, she died in the Lord, I can I'll tell you that. Um, but that was, that, was, that was one of those divine appointments because I responded to a little prompt. And, you know, and even if you get it wrong... You never, you never do any harm. You're a winner. So if God prompts you to give me some money this morning and you've got it wrong, I'm not going to complain. And sometimes we do, don't we? We give people money, we, we do all sorts of things. Maybe we get it wrong. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we, we walking in the Spirit is not two feet floating off the air. It is feet on the ground being, being attentive to God's prompting. And sometimes... There's not even promptings. You just walk into situations. So we have been equipped by the Spirit. I got baptised in the Holy Spirit on a Friday night. I was 22 years of age. My wife and I had a mighty encounter with God. I didn't know why. It was at the time when people were teaching this stuff. It was just wonderful. It was just amazing. And um, it lasted a good part of the night. Some of it was scary because I discovered that God was almighty and that frightened me. Um, but, so, but I just wanted to tell people and my minister said, no, we shouldn't, shouldn't talk about these sort of things, etc., etc. So that was on the Friday night. On the Sunday night, I'm sitting in a service in the Anglican church. Now, my wife and I were part of an Anglican church. It was evangelical. The, 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 the preaching was pretty good. But, you, you know, when our vicar or minister got up to speak, his name was Humphrey, you never blinked, you never moved, you never coughed. For a quarter of an hour, he spoke. If you wanted to go to the bathroom, you would pee your pants rather than get up and walk out to the bathroom. Okay, it was like that. God spoke to me. Now, I had not, not heard God much before in this way. Who said, go and share the gospel with Mrs. Balcom. Mrs. Balcom lived next door. She was a witch. <laughs> she was ugly. She smelt the high heaven of urine. She was an alcoholic. She had one black tooth in her head and she frightened the life out of me. I avoided her like the plague. Um... When our house was um, not in bad way, sometimes rats would just come up through the floor and everything. I didn't mind doing my lawyer's bit, but beyond that, I just couldn't, and I avoided Mrs. Balcom. Sue was much better than me. She would go in and take a tea and wash her and all the rest of it. So I'm now told to go, and I'm thinking to myself, Ray Lowe, are you going mad? It was only 200 yards from the church. So I went, where my knees were knocking. I knocked on the door, and a friend came to the door, and I said, I've come to see Mrs. Balcom. That's nice, dearie, she said. She's in bed, she's not very well at the moment, but come on in. I went in and, and uh, as best as I could, and I was, I was scared, I was shaking. This was, this was the first, okay? This was the first I'd ever done of this stuff. And I shared the gospel with Mrs. Balcom, and her friend got it as well. And then I got my little legs out of there as fast as they could carry me, and I thought, thank goodness for that, that's over. And in the morning, Sue went in, to see as she was and took her a cup of tea and she was dead in bed. 
I tell you what, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I, I, I responded to that prompting. Now, I hope I might see Mrs. Balcom in glory, and I hope to goodness they've given us some teeth. <laughs> but, folks, I'm serious now. Hey, we are talking about life and death stuff here. Now, you might say, well, am I, am I, has God got a plan B? Well, he may have, in your case, because we blow it at times. But this is how, this is how it works. You find this a bit scary? You don't need to. This is what he's done. So if you thought you got saved so you could, you know, have your sins forgiven, be cleaned up a bit, go to church and have a nice life, go to heaven one day, hey, forget that. That is not why you were chosen of him. We, we, we have a calling on our lives, but he, he doesn't leave us to our own devices. He equips us. The last thing I'm going to share is this, that we've got it, we must see people as God sees people. <laughs> I realise that I'm a very judgmental person. Wow, I was trained to be judgmental, to be critical. I was a lawyer, for goodness sake. Um, but we do, we look at our neighbours and we make opinions and judgments, don't we? In, um, in Matthew chapter 9, there's, 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 a, there's a little insight here that I want to share with you. Jesus is with the, with the disciples and he's, he's out on mission. We go on mission, don't we? Every day. You know, every day when you go to college, university, you go to your job, go to school, go shopping. We're on mission. We're out. We're going into the world. Yes? That's the world. We, we're not closeted um, in our homes all day. So it says this in verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Wow. Amazing. And they, the disciples had already done that because he trained them to do it and he sent them out before Pentecost under his authority and they've actually done it before. So they're with him. They're getting used to this stuff. When he saw the crowds, he had one of these movements. He, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherd. Again, the, the words in the original language speak of a drunk that is non-compass mentis, totally out of it, or somebody who's been flogged by a Roman soldier. The language is very strong. So he is saying to these disciples, look at, look at, look at, look at these people. Look how helpless they are. They're like a sheep. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says this. Now think of it in the context. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. I think if I'd been one of those disciples, I would have said, well, where's the harvest? These people are useless, hopeless. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's, what, what, what can we do for them? Don't we think that way sometimes? Your next door neighbours, like my Mrs. Balcom, okay? She's always drunk. She smells the high heaven. Oh, she frightens the life out of me and probably everybody else. She comes, who's going to reach out to Mrs. Balcom? There's no hope. Got that one wrong. Or your next door neighbours, well, they don't. They, don't, they, they wouldn't go to church on a Sunday. They've got a boat. They go to the lake. They've got loads of money. They're always having holidays. No, they, don't. they have no need of God. They've got everything. Do we think that way? <laughs> Such were us once, weren't we? Such were us. But what Jesus is saying here is the problem is not the harvest. The problem is the workers. Mm. And the bad news, guys, that's you and me. But the good news is he has provided the means for us to go into our communities and bring in the harvest. Who would have thought the gay would have ever come to the Lord? And she was a vibrant testimony to Jesus. Feisty lass. Feisty lass. But boy, was she a testimony to Jesus. And she had fruit of her own. In our lawyer's office, boy, when she got saved, did she um, share some things. One last story, then we're going to pray. I moved into a new house 
And I'm not the sort of person who likes to knock on people's doors and say, I'm the friendly Baptist minister from down the road. One, because I'm not always friendly, and two, because I don't talk too much about being an accredited Baptist pastor. And they don't talk about me being one either, so it's mutual. Um, so what I do, I tend to just pray. And this is something you can do. I just pray, Lord, Lord, today I'm, I'm available to you. I always do that. I'm available to you today, Lord. Do you want to use me? That's a good prayer. Get you in a lot of trouble, but it's fun. I'm available. So we've just moved into this new house, and it's a, it's a small road. It's unmade road. There's no, it's no, um, no concrete. It's one of these country roads. And I have a knock on the door, and there's a guy there who comes from opposite. I'd not met him before. He's, a, he's quite a stocky, strongly built fella. And he just said, um, he said to me, he looked at me, he said, you and me have something in common. We're both spiritual people. I said, well, that's good for starters. He said, I'm with Eck, and you're with the Baptist, aren't you? Well, I could have said with the Eck is Eck, but I didn't. I was more polite than that. So I said, come on in, come on in. And he came in, and I shared, I shared with him. And I did it for quite some time. I think he was, I found out that Eck was a, 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 an occult thing up in, out of the Himalayas. It was pretty grim, and he was, he was demonised up to his eyeballs, to be honest. And I made no, I made no headway, no headway at all. Um, with John, I discovered that he was a ninth, you know, a nine ten black belt in something or other. So I was, I minded, I watched my p's and q's, and with him, he was quite a violent guy actually. And I, I, I saw him every now and then, but I'd, I'd written him off. But a couple of months later, there was another knock on the door, gentler this time, and it was his, it was his wife Marion, and she came over and she said, Mr. Lowe, she said. Um, John has left me and gone off with another woman from Eck. And I feel so, see, I've got such hatred in my heart towards him. I feel so bad about it. Can you help me? I said, no. But if you come in, I'll introduce you to someone who can. <laughs> Within 10 minutes, she was there in my study, which I used to call the Holy of Holies. Um, I'd shared with her. She was wonderfully saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, actually speaking in tongues. And uh, Marion married a, a lovely Christian man later and they're still together to this day. Now, you never know what God's going to do. You can't write people off. The best thing to do is to just begin to ask God about them. Because you see, all these gifts of the Holy Spirit, like words of knowledge, words of wisdom, I tell you what, they're so powerful out in the community. You get words of knowledge, words of wisdom for people and it opens up things. So they open up their hearts. Now this is... God has done this for us so we can be effective witnesses. I'm not saying it's not still scary. I'm not saying you won't feel at times, wow, a little bit, you know, nervous. But the good thing is this. He, what he has done for us enables us to function for him. And I want to tell you, folks, it's so exciting to bear fruit for Jesus. It's fantastic. I love church. I love coming together with a body. I loved your prayer meeting the other night. I love this. But I love being with pagans as well because I was a happy pagan once and someone reached out to me. Um, there's just one thing that messes all this up and that is sin. You see, the devil can't touch our salvation. That's secured in heaven for us. But what he can do, he can neutralize us. He can take us out of the battle. The way he does that is by, is by messing us up with sin so that we have a bad conscience. You can't be sensitive to God and have a bad conscience at the same time or, in, or be in condemnation. And we were praying about condemnation this morning. You know, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, that of itself is not true because afterwards it says, but those who walk according to the Spirit. So if we walk according to the Spirit, there's no condemnation. But you start messing around with guys, mess around with pornography and anything associated with that, that is the biggie and you are neutralised. One of my theories is why men don't contribute in meetings as much as women because men have worse consciences than women. Now, that may not be true, but I think I've got it right there, to be honest. So we, we need to keep ourselves right so that when we're walking, how do we do that? Well, Paul says we're to continue to be filled with the Spirit, but he doesn't tell us how. So when I wake up in the morning, or that's, I'm a bit grumpy, my wife tells me sometimes, I get before God 
and I know I'm his child and I'm filled with the Spirit and I begin to worship God as we're told in that Lord's Prayer we read. Hallowed be your name. I start singing praises and the Holy Spirit likes that so he kicks in with me at that time and from there on we're good and I say, Lord, keep filling me with your Holy Spirit and today I'm available. I'm available for whatever you want and that's how it works. You've got to break bread. So, so where do we... How do, we, how, do we, how do we finish this? So where are we? Okay. You have a choice. Have I convinced you? Might not be the most articulate preacher you've heard. Have I convinced you? Tell me something. All the stories I've told you, and I could have told you thousands, and I could tell you up-to-date stuff, it happens all the time. Get John over here, um, John Meek Senior. By goodness, I mean he's an expert. I'm just a beginner then compared to him. I mean he, this is how he builds church. Um, but there's, there's all the stories I have told you. This they've all got something in common. Any idea? It's a tricky one. This you need a revelation from God to get this one. All those people I've witnessed to, led to the Lord, pray with people for healing. What's in common with all those stories? Shall I tell you what it is? Not one of them was in a church meeting. Every one of them was in the world. Go into all the world. Make disciples. All nations. T teaching them to observe and do all that I commanded you. Can I pray for you? How many of you are up for this? Give me, give me, show me a hand. So some of you are up for this. I know. Okay, good. Okay, this is where I'm going to pray. And this is going to work, okay? Heaven loves this prayer. Everybody, the angels are saying he's at it again, so they're ready for an amen. I'm going to pray that in this next seven days you're going to have one of these divine appointments, okay? Whether you, whether you do it or muff it, let's mess it up, it doesn't matter. You're on, you're on the right track, all right? So if you, if you get scared and you don't do it, don't get... Don't get, your, when my daughters first started to walk and took their first step and fell over on their nose, I didn't say, forget it, you're never going to do this. <laughs> I said, come on, get up, let's get going again. Come on. And eventually they walk, right? That's what you do with, that's what you do with babies. So if we're babies in this one, we're going to grow up into this one, okay? So I'm going to pray for you that this week there's going to be an opportunity. It may, not be a, it may not be a big healing, it may not be, it might just be someone who needs a hand. Someone who just needs showing across the road because they're not capable. And it's just, you know, you show mercy, you show love, and, and often someone will say, thank you so much. Why did you, why did you do that, young man, young woman? Say, well, actually, it's because that's what Jesus would do. Oh, I wish I could tell you some more stories, but I can't. We've got to break bread. Oh, so, I mean, yeah. Lord Jesus, come on, let's just pray.